movie review time. We're reviewing Jungle Cruise this week. Kirk is actually up on Synops this week. Don't know if you knew that, but if not, surprise. It's, <laughs> it is know. your turn, my friend. So whenever you're ready, just uh, just take it away. Yes, you see, Jungle Cruise is about a girl. And this girl is on a mission with a, a, su- a super necklace, if you will. And she needs to get across the sea to a destination. She has someone, a, a very large, muscular man, who will, uh, will guide her. Um, and we find out that this muscular man is immortal. And there are lots of trials and tribulations that they go through. Um, they, there are tricks that they don't that they withhold from one another. They have to earn each other's trust on this journey as well. There are lots of fine animals uh, that help them along their way as well. And ultimately, they restore the heart of Tafiti. I mean, the tears of the moon into <laughs> the proper place in order to get the special healing immortal flowers uh, that that exist out there at the end of the Jungle Cruise. My That's apologies. Right. Does that sound vaguely familiar to Moana? Most of that entire storyline? No, not at all. Uh, not even slightly <laughs> derivative. Uh, not of Moana, not of anything else. That's, yes, that's a preposterous I- statement. I think that um, maybe Dwayne Johnson just didn't have enough time to memorize. So they, they actually, this is actually the same dialogue from Moana. Uh, so they just said, just use the same, use the same words. Uh, we'll just make it work in post-production. Yeah, and maybe, uh, it, I'm, I actually, I dig that take. I'll buy that take that this is about scheduling concerns for Dwayne Johnson because <laughs> the director of this film, Jaume Collett, uh, Sarah, if I'm saying uh-huh. that right, I, I actually there's there's a really good chance that I'm saying that very wrong, but he is the director of Black Adam, which stars <laughs> you guessed it, Dwayne Johnson. So there's definitely something going on here, um, and I'm all over it. I actually I was right. Jaume Collett Sarah is the director, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see this plot line come right back for Black Adam, and we're doing yes. the same thing all over again just to really keep it. Keep him in the same mind frame, you know, for, for care. He's a busy guy. I get it for the record. Right. I get it. He doesn't have time to memorize new lines and no. new characters. Yeah. No. This, yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I sympathize for sure. But yeah, great <laughs> synopsis, Kirk. We're talking Jungle Cruise. Um, this, of course, if you didn't know, is an adaptation of a Disney ride. That That is the source material. It's, it's based on a ride at Disney World. This certainly isn't the first time that we've seen this. We've seen this with Pirates of the Caribbean. We've seen this with the Haunted Mansion. We've seen this with, I guess there was a Tower of Terror movie, right? With with Kirsten Dunst back in the day. Listen, that was a fantastic movie. <laughs> and I'm still a but, little scared for the reboot. So. And the ride came before that one, correct? It did. It yeah, did. yeah, yeah. So we've seen this a few times. I'm, I'm probably missing some other ones. But that's, that's where we're at right now. I don't think there's been a Space Mountain movie. Oh, there was a uh, Tomorrowland movie that that was more based on. George Clooney, yeah. Yeah, that was like. Tomorrowland isn't a ride at Disney. It's like a, it's an area right. within the Magic Kingdom. But I digress. We're talking about Jungle Cruise right now. And Kirk, you are up. I need to know who you are giving your Oscar to for this film. This one's easy. No questions. It's Emily Blunt. She is the hands down the only person in this movie who, and maybe it was it was pure luck from a writing perspective, but the only person in this movie that uh, had a full 
a full rounded character, uh, a middle a beginning, middle and end on her arc. And of course, just just brought it. I mean, there was no part in here where she was phoning it in. She was uh, she was bubbly. She was angry. She w- got like just like destroyed by monsters and water and yuck. And I always you know, when you watch a movie, uh, you have to think of it from the actor's perspective when they're just getting just destroyed from different elements, whether it be wind, water, slime, mud. She got destroyed in this movie and then she just picked herself up and kept moving. And all of those aspects on top of her incredible uh, just intellect as an actor, I think it's just very easy to see in this that she is the shining star in this film. Uh, she is Moana and she won my my award for this uh, for this superlative. Yeah. Uh, great call. In fact, I'm giving my Oscar to Emily Blunt as well to Kirk's exact point, which is that she's the only correct choice. And this is, you know, <laughs> typically we will, we, you know, we're very open-minded on this podcast. We encourage dissenting opinions. This is one where I'm putting my foot down because it was so glaringly obvious that she was the best actor in this film. There really is no other opinion <laughs> that's valid here. It's, it's just, it's, it's fact at this point. She, did all the things that she does when she's at the top of her game. You know, and and Kirk, since you already talked about her performance and I agree with you, I'm not going to parrot what you said, but what I will say is that I wish we could get more Emily Blunt outside of family movies for a Mm -hmm. bit. For the most part, this is what she does these days, and I get it. Big price tag. She's obviously worked with Disney a couple of times before. Most recently, Mary Poppins Returns, which I know she she did great in that, and and she got paid handsomely for it, I'm sure. And she's obviously doing the, the a quiet place thing, but I want to see her. I mean, she could win an Academy award, Kirk. She, she really is good. She was fantastic in like the devil wears Prada. She's, she's had other roles. She's been in indie films before. And, and that's really where she, yeah, that's really where she, she cut her teeth. And I want more of that. I want to see her really like get a chance to shine because she takes roles like these and characters who are, in my opinion, this character was woefully underdeveloped. Um, They did a, she did a great job of carrying the arc to the finish line, but in terms of like baseline, who is this character and what she's, what is she about? I mean, just no development, like nothing to build on. And she built it into something and built, built it into the only character that you really care anything about by the end of the movie and i think that's 100 percent due to the fact that she's an incredible performer and an incredible actor and uh yeah she deserves all the flowers for this one i thought she was thought she was stellar truly absolutely absolutely all right let's move over to uh scene stealer and talk about the uh, under the radar performance that that caught your eye this one is might it might be even easier than the oscar goes to my scene stealer goes to no one. It goes to no Ooh. one. Cam. They were all awful. It, they were all terrible. Even Paul Giamatti, who was just working overtime. I love Paul Giamatti. Even uh, even Dwayne Johnson, who we've seen just get better and better and better as time has gone on. Uh, no one, no one deserves this award in my in my opinion. The all, everyone else was just uh, addressing uh, to Emily Blunt and just made her look better, which they did. Um, and the the total the total thing with um uh with, what's his name Edgar Ramirez who played Aguirre he he he's a fantastic actor himself but he was just like limited by just like dressing more again the word dressing but dressing and dressing and dressing of CGI I mean this thing wanted to be Moana it wanted to be um uh, the original Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah Pirates it wanted for sure. to be 
so many things. It didn't have its own identity. And that's why this movie was just a jumbled mess. And you just, you were just waiting for the finish line. Um, the, too much going on with, with Jesse Plemons uh, killing people left and right from the, from the moment we see him. Paul Giamatti, as I said, Jabba the Hutt uh, at the beginning, just trying to get money out of The Rock. And The Rock, which just grossly miscast in this role. I mean, he should have been all over those dry, witty puns and sarcastic, cheesy humor. And whatever character he decided, character path he decided to take on, terrible terrible choice it was too dry it was too ugh, just like uncomfortable it was just so so embarrassing to see him drop those jokes in the delivery that he did i could go on i could go on for for hours but no one gets an award for me out of this one at all yeah wow i uh, i mean that's I, I, I'm, I'm listening. I, I get it. <laughs> I, I, I can see you're making some very valid points, Kirk. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to steal your scene stealer because I am going to pick somebody, but I, I, I totally <laughs> am on the same wavelength with you. For me, my scene stealer is Jesse Plemons, who plays the villain. And, and this one is hard because the villain in this movie makes zero sense. The villain <laughs> is one of the most thoughtless villains that they've ever put into a movie. So they've already got, they intro him within the first 10, you know, you know, five, two minutes of this movie. And he's just like the rich German guy who has the thing that Emily Blunt wants. And so she steals it from him. And, you know, I don't even know if it's his, to be honest, it's all very obscure there, but they're both, they both want the same thing. And so that's how this whole conflict starts. But Amongst the the confusion around this character who I feel like is totally unnecessary because we already have the like, you know, Davy Jones-esque creatures in the jungle hunting the rock. Um, you know, outside of the fact that this character makes no sense, Jesse Plemons is actually like kind of hilarious in this role. Like his German accent is hilarious. He's like doing these really weird maniacal things like making his people sing songs as he like shoots guns in the air. <laughs> like <laughs> that was wonderful. the most preposterous things, but it was like just crazy enough to make me laugh. And it, and it only really worked because Jesse Plemons is totally down for like getting as weird as possible. That's like his whole thing. Um, and so it helped that this, this role made absolutely no sense. And, he he made it even more preposterous, which actually somehow made it better. So that's why that's why I'm going with Jesse Plemons. Could not agree more with you on the Dwayne Johnson thing. I am usually a Dwayne Johnson advocate. I will say actually, I, I've been known to go to bat for him and say, hey, he's actually a better actor than people give him credit for, and he has. I still firmly believe that he has within him the ability to give a good performance and I've seen him I've seen glimpses of it throughout his career but this was not it man this was not it I even just I, I don't know how that guy passed a screen test you get in there and you put that goofy hat on him and I'd be like yeah no <laughs> like <laughs> no that's this isn't gonna work man like all due respect you're a great guy I don't want to waste your time but this is just not gonna fly um it's preposterous it it, it just totally does not work. And then yeah, his acting choices were really questionable. Just like a very low energy performance and just sucked the life out of this character completely yes. in my opinion. I mean, you have the man who invented the phrase, "Do you smell what the rock is cooking?" I know. 
And you have these witticisms that are just out there, like low-hanging fruit to grab and to just destroy. And he just, he just, he let them fall and squash on the ground. And it was, it was actually shocking. It was actually shocking. Like I, I, I would have never expected that this would have been that bad of a performance from him. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a slam Dwayne Johnson. I just really don't think it was a good fit. I really don't think it was. It's not your best. It's not your best, Dwayne. We know you can do better. And you've got 14 upcoming projects to do so, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> yeah. Most, most de- not most decorated, I would uh, highest paid actor in <laughs> yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, most employed, I would say, for sure. Yes. He's a busy guy. Um, all right, let's move on to Showstopper, Kirk. What was it about this movie that you did like what was the what was it about this movie that you thought was the best part so i really loved the first like 15 minutes of this movie after that it gets a little dicey uh we start the movie and we immediately see the the disney castle and the you know tink goes across and drops her to pixie dust and then the camera shifts and we go underwater uh which is great it made sense for the total arc of the movie where we ended up at the end at the la la something la rota uh whatever it was called instead of the other uh foreign word that i also didn't write down or or remember (laughs) but we go underwater and we flip it and you can kind of see the the disney castle's reflection and everything too even though we're into the story and i thought that was special and uh extremely delicate uh storytelling because this is a movie about a disney ride uh so that we're we're entering the story but we're also still part of a ride part of an adventure that disney created first it wasn't the story first it was just this idea so i loved that that's so specific but that's what captured me immediately um i immediately paused the movie as we started it and my wife's just like looking at my i had my ipad and i'm writing it on there and she's looking at me like huh what are you, what are you writing? Like this early on, like nothing started yet. And it's because it was, it was such a good uh, technical moment. And honestly, it was beautiful CGI. The, they may have spent all their money on that because the CGI throughout the rest was fuzzy, was hairy, was too much, was overwhelming, was bad at times, like overall bad. But that, that first 15 minutes of world building uh, before we actually got on the, on the path uh, to the where our characters were going, I loved it. I thought it was great. Cool. I like that pick. I like that. I like when we when we peel back the layers of the onion, we get to the deep cuts, Kirk. That's what that's what <laughs> you're here for. That's what I like. Um, that's a good pick. I'm also picking something obscure, so we'll get we'll get double dose <laughs> of that. But for me, it's uh, you know, really, I almost said the third act of this movie was my showstopper. Because I feel like the third act is when they finally inject some life into this movie, which is pretty lifeless through the beginning, to be honest with you. Like, they do a lot of fun um, action sequences, but they, they are kind of pointless. And so they, they, they don't, like, get you energized or, like, bought into the, the plight of the characters. And so the third act is where you finally start to be like, okay, there's stuff happening. We're, you know, we're here with the villain. Things are, things are happening. We've reached the climax of the film, etc. But anyway... Sort of what kicks off that third act is Dwayne Johnson's big reveal that his character is this immortal person who has been alive since the beginning and was around for for the since the beginning of this whole thing and is bound to the the river in the jungle. During that sequence, which is an extremely long sequence, like way longer than it should be because his plot line is very convoluted, but during that sequence they do a lot of these time lapses of like him building the boat 
him building the town, all these, like the front of the boat with all of his different animals that he's had over the years. And the time lapses are really stylish and really good looking, like startlingly so, because it looks so much better than anything else that happens in the movie. Like it was a situation where I paused and was like, whoa, whoa, we got some style going on. And I was like, props to our director. That looked great. Like I felt like I was seeing his flair, you know, Mr. Mr. Jaume. I feel like I was seeing his flair, his persona shine through what was otherwise, in my opinion, a very like, you know, like a cookie cutter mm-hmm. corporate film, you know? And, and that, that was one of those moments where you're like, Ooh, some style, you know, the moment that you called out, it's like, Ooh, okay. I like the choice there. And there were flashes of that, but it just wasn't enough. But that, those time lapses in general get you locked in on that scene because it's so appetizing visually and uh, it's important because that scene where he's explaining that needs to be like the big moment in the movie where you're like, oh my gosh, who could have known except for everybody. Um, <laughs> so I, I liked that choice and I thought it looked really good. So the time lapses. Yes. All right, let's move along to the other side of the coin. And I say that every single time, the other side of the coin, but. Well, it's a wonderful phrase, Cam. That's why you say it. <laughs> Thanks. But we're moving on to director shoes, which is which is not showstopper. It's the things that we didn't like or the things that we would change. And Kirk, you're kicking us off here. Let's start with the montage you just mentioned. Yes, yeah. it is actually very well executed. Yes, it has actually some of the best CGI in the film other than the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it is great to see uh, The Rock with his beautiful flowing hair and, and big beard. And uh, <laughs> it's actually some of his best acting in the movie uh, in, in this CGI role with like he's very focused during that moment. But that comes a little bit too late. This two hour mm-hmm. movie seems like a three three-hour movie, which is a problem. This movie has a big pacing issue. Uh, At times, there are just these very long um, character dev uh, dialogue uh, exchanges. And then there there is a long segment of the movie when they first get kick-started on this journey, on this adventure, where Michael Bay was probably sitting in as a surrogate director. I mean, it is cut, 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 cut. Cut, cut. And what that means is when you see something on the screen and you're following a character and then all of a sudden you no longer see that position. Uh, Think of it if you're if you're not well versed in it or you're a little confused by that. Think of like a TikTok video. Someone's talking and they do a hard edit and then they start talking again and they're facing a different angle. That's the easiest way if you if you've never if you don't understand that terminology to put it in the kids terms on the TikToks. So (laughs) so there's all these hard cuts. Michael Bay, the famous director from Transformers again he's famous for hard fast cuts but there's a dance that he does to it there's a delicacy that he does to it not all of his movies are great um, but there's there's a better way to do that and in this movie it doesn't make any sense whatsoever we are just bombarded with completely throwaway information for the characters for the plot for um, just adventure uh, timelines it's almost as if they said Everyone in the everyone in the creative cast, the creative team. I want you to pick something that would be neat to have in this movie. And they said they didn't say no to anyone. They just allowed every single bit to happen, and it just got just nauseating, absolutely nauseating. Um, there's uh, they don't trust their. They also the, the trope where they don't trust their audience. Where Proxima the Jaguar comes in uh, into the bar restaurant 
out of nowhere and we see the rock fight this jaguar with no other kind of wink to the to the jaguar or kind of a nudge or any kind of statement he just fights a jaguar and then in the in a couple of scenes later not even immediately after i would say a couple of minutes later we see him petting the jaguar in his boat um and then there are other other just can just long long moments of confusion um that third act is such a mess it's so much cgi i just like cgi can be there like i'm not against cgi but it's got to be good cgi and it's got to be paired with practical effects to make it look i don't know good is that so much to ask for (laughs) i hated i hated the whole uh, third act of this movie it drove me crazy what they were trying to do with it and uh, it's it's quite an accomplishment for myself. I'd like to give myself an award today. I don't know what we should title it, but um, I did not fall asleep during this movie, and I watched it in one sitting. Uh, but that was such a difficult movie to watch start to finish with no interruptions. Yeah, I, I have to admit, um, I did not make it through the, fir- the first sitting. I, I had to stop, and I was watching it, you know, Jackie was watching something on her iPad and I was watching this movie and she knew that I had to watch it for the review today. And about an hour in the movie, I shut it off and she took her AirPods <laughs> out and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored, <laughs> yeah. man. I really am. I, I can't sit through this. And that's why I agree that the third act did not look great. But what I, the only thing I liked about it is that it had some sort of energy to it where I felt yeah. like the rest of the movie had was just lifeless. I really did. Um, so I, I get your critiques and what is happening with the Disney movies and the editing recently on these live action movies? Black Widow was the same way. That was one of my big problems with Black Widow was that just some really head scratching, puzzling editing choices. It like makes me wonder what's happening on the back end of production. Like, is this truly the edit or like is corporate coming in there and being like, no, we got to cut this. I, I don't know. It's just, it was odd. I, I completely agree with your sentiment there. Um, for my director's shoes, it, it's quite simply, and we've alluded to it a couple of times, but it's quite simply the CGI, which was just frankly embarrassingly bad at times in this movie. This movie will not age well for that for that purpose. And in fact, I think what's most frustrating about it is that when there were scenes that used lots of practical effects, which are few and far between, they actually looked pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And, and they, were, they were among the more creative, uh, stylish, and well-edited films whenever they had to rely more on practical effects. It felt like CGI was being leaned on way too heavily to cut corners. I don't know if this production was rushed. I I, I don't know anything about the production of this project, but uh, if somebody told me it was rushed, I would not even be slightly surprised because I thought the CGI was inconsistent. When you had elements that were recurring elements like Proxima, the the Jaguar, um, it looked good. It, but anything else, man, it was rough at times, really rough, and and sometimes just like shockingly bad. To be honest with you, for and, and inexcusably bad, I would say for a movie with a budget as big as this and and coming from a large studio, I was I was a little bit floored, <laughs> to be honest, at times. And so that was enough to take me out of the movie to the point where I was like, yikes, guys. And there were other bad things going on, no doubt. But that is a. Uh, in this day and age, that's that's a tough mistake to make, especially if you have, you know, a good crew, lots of money, a big studio behind you. Like, come on, 
<laughs> let's not cut corners. Let's like put some time into it and make it actually look good. If you're going to rely that heavily on CGI, which frankly is always a risky choice anyway, uh, because even good CGI tends to not age well, but this, this, I mean, this doesn't look good for now. I can't imagine what this thing's going to look like in five years. It's going to look or rough. or next week. Yeah, next seriously. Week, I, I mean, it, it, like I said, doesn't look good now. So who knows what this thing will look like in five years. I think it's going to be, I don't know, lots of pointing and laughing going to be happening about the CGI in this movie in a couple of years. No doubt. No doubt about it. I love how you called out there's there are some noticeable practical effects. You're like, yes, do that. Do that more. Yeah. 100%. Where I don't know if she gets like kicked into this giant like I am Groot like thing, like all these tree limbs come and like wrap her around. And then it looks it looks like a Disney ride, honestly. And then it like turns in a certain in a yeah, very yeah. specific way. And I think it flips upside down, too. Uh-huh. And did we just do like the same movement? At yeah, the it was, same time? it's the like, same thing. Ah. She like turns like this. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, that part was like, yes, thank you. They just they did not do that. They did not build the set. And that is baffling to me because they have the greatest minds, the greatest imagineers over at Disney. The, <laughs> yeah. the world is at their fingertips and they couldn't do that. Like, come on, man. Made me crazy. I know it's, it's tough. It's tough for sure. All right. Well, let's, let's close the book on jungle cruise. Kirk, let's hear your final thoughts and then your score. I really, I went into this knowing that it wouldn't be my favorite. I wasn't uh, passionate about seeing this. It's it's very confusing that this movie, they decided to go for a PG-13 rating. <laughs> I went into it thinking it was PG. Thank goodness I didn't like have my kids with me. Like that if I missed up double checking because when Jesse Plemons just starts slicing people's throats there in the <laughs> museum, I'm like, Oh, let me double check this rating on this movie. Um, I didn't, there was just too much going on, not enough going on with character development for the supporting characters, not enough support for our two main characters for them to have a balanced on-screen uh, romance and chemistry. Not that they even needed a romance. They honestly could have just been going the same way and they did make them have a romance, which is great, which is fine, which is normal. But honestly, they could have done without it. And it still yeah, I actually been. hated it, to be honest. So I did like, there's no chemistry between them. There's a good, honestly, they built a great friendship so that they end up in the end together. I would have rather than be friends 100%. And, and it would have been a better, a better, uh, it would have raised my score, honestly, to, to the end of this movie. Um, I could go on and on uh, the, 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 the Agiri and the whole mystical element to that and how it just didn't make any sense. And then again, must I say it again, that this was Moana, part two just a clone just a clone blueprint of moana and i don't understand how any any one of the exec uh, executives at disney didn't see that it blew my mind that it wasn't better than it was i was going into this thinking i'd be somewhere around a five maybe a 5.5 this guy ended up at a two two kernels out of 10 for me sorry jungle cruise yep um all good points all good points kirk i'm i'm going to be in a similar ballpark to you i think i have a lot of problems with this movie i mean you've called out you've called out a few different things i think the point that i want to make is the same one that you mentioned at the very beginning which is that this movie has an identity crisis it doesn't know what it wants to be or rather it wants to be everything (laughs) but can't you know it's just it's derivative it's it's just mindless it's a totally mindless movie they put very little thought into what this movie would be. It just, it honestly feels like 
one day some Disney executive say said to somebody, you need to make a Jungle Cruise movie and we need to have it out by 2021. And it was like, crap, you know, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> like that is what it feels like, honestly, because, you know, we've already talked about the things that it really steals from hard, which are Disney properties, but still the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie, those like the whole undead jungle monster thing is a straight rip of, of what they did in Pirates of the Caribbean. The, mm-hmm. you know, the whole restore the tears of the moon to the thing is straight from Moana. I mean, you could go on and on. There are so many different derivative plot points and, and, and nods to other movies. It's, it's just shocking um, how thoughtless this movie is. And when you layer on top of that, you've got, this main villain who doesn't make any sense and is sort of like awkwardly side by side with the jungle monster undead guys. You've got, you know, a bunch of really puzzling acting performances and acting choices and, and, and really low levels of character development, um, really bad CGI and pacing issues and editing issues. What what you're left with is, is kind of a a movie that has an identity crisis, just like you said, Kirk, and it's really hard to make heads or tails of it. Um, I will say that I think there are times, like I mentioned in my uh, showstopper, there are times where our director, um, Jam, Jaume Colet Sarah, uh, shows that he's got something to say and he's got style and and. And there are, there are moments where you're like, ooh, I, you know, you just catch these little flashes where you're like, oh, that could have been so cool, um, but it's not enough. And by the time they get close enough to getting you interested into the movie, you're already way checked out. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. I, 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 they lost me real early, like 15 to 20 minutes in. I was like, I am so bored. I can hardly handle this. Um, it, I, I really it, I'm going to lose some sleep thinking about what this movie would have been like without Emily Blunt, because that <laughs> is truly terrifying to me, if I can be honest. Um, so for me, it gets a 3.0 and, and frankly, I think that's a little generous, but there were flashes of what could have been a good movie. And there were some parts that were moderately entertaining, but I certainly wouldn't recommend this movie to anybody. And actually, I mean, you guys know, I try to stay away from review stuff as much as possible, but I saw I followed Dwayne Johnson on Twitter, and and if this is true, I don't know if it's still true, but he said it had like a ninety four percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw that before I saw the movie, and I was like, wow, impressive. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, huh? I was like, did did I get some sort of weird, different version of this movie? Because I that number makes no sense to me. I mean, not even close. I, I I'm shocked. And, and I, I don't know what the critic score is. I'll, I'll have to check it out after this. But there, if that 90-something percent held on Rotten Tomatoes, just color me very surprised. I, can, I cannot believe that at all. And one thing that I, I, forget, I failed to mention that I think is very important is that Dwayne Johnson nicknames Emily Blunt's character Pants. Pants. Yes. And he says it no less than 175 times in the course of 120 minutes. It is terrible. It is It is painstakingly terrible. You know that he was just improving his way through this movie and he decided this would be a good spot to say pants and forgot that he had already said it 174 times. It was 
ridiculous and so overdone. He said it four times before we were a half an hour into the movie. And I said, oh, he's not stopping. He's yeah, you're like, well, that's a every- choice. That's a yes. choice for sure. <laughs> and I mean, there's a moment where he says it probably 10 times in less than two minutes. Where he's, Oh, you're not kidding, dude. It's, it's he's insane. Like, Hang on. Oh, Kirk just froze. with the uh, choice you wore with those pants, pants. Oh, it looks like you peed your pants, pants. It's so terrible. He does say that. It looks like you wet your crazy. pants, pants. He says that. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh man, it Awful. is. It is so bad. And and the whole bit is like, it's the early 1900s, and and Emily Blunt's character is wearing pants. So yeah, yeah, maybe you get like two jokes out of that tops in the whole yeah. movie. No, he she gets- he, he he hits that drum you know, a hundred times before it's all said and done. I mean, all the way up into they all, they get to their destination and they're like, all right, we got to swim. You got to swim. Emily Blunt. I'm too big. Everyone was narrower. Let's get down. He's like, you wore pants under your pants, pants. Like I just can't handle how crazy it was. How many times he said, it? okay, I'm glad that you called that out. Something else I, I forgot to mention that is, you know, a somewhat nice thing to say is that everything they introduced in the movie, they did bring back, which is, Lots of terrible movies miss that attention to detail. You know, Mm -hmm. they, 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 I have to give them credit. They at least brought it back all the way up to the car that she sees like a bunch of pictures of cars and his, the, you know, the motor car and and they bring that back at the end. I was like, okay, we've gone full circle on that stuff. So that was one of the other reasons that I gave a little extra points, but it's, I mean, that's no consolation. I would say it's still, I still think it's a pretty, pretty awful film overall. If they had said pants one more time, I would have dropped it a full score. No, dude. I mean, it it becomes, (laughs) I became numb to it, to be honest with you. I couldn't even hear it at the end of the movie. He was saying it so much. So, man, that's a great call out. That's a really good point. It's so bad. That's that alone is enough to get me checked out. I'm like, (laughs) no more. (laughs) It seriously is, is embarrassingly bad. All right. Let's turn the page on Jungle Cruise. Uh, As a reminder, our review next week will be the suicide squad. So make sure you swing back around for that one. We're very excited because it's James Gunn and it's, uh, I mean, that was the biggest story in the world. Whenever that came around, James Gunn fired from Marvel hired by DC days later. I mean, this is must see for sure. So we're excited about that, but let's move into our schoolyard pick, which this week is schoolyard pick of Disney rides. And I get to kick us off this week and I have been, and Kirk as well, has been to both Disney parks. So we, you know, we're, we're spoiled in that way, but we'll, we might bounce around a little bit. We'll talk about it. Um, for my first pick, my inaugural pick, I am going with the Haunted Mansion. I'm going with the Haunted Mansion. And remember, Excellent. on this schoolyard pick, we're going to talk about would we like to see it adapted into a film? Now, The Haunted Mansion was already adapted into the film with Eddie Murphy, a truly awful film. There are, there are discussions about potentially doing another Haunted Mansion film in the future. Um, I, let's just not, in general. I, I don't think the ride movies have really panned out super well, except for the first Pirates. But the rest of them, I, I could do without, to be quite honest with you. And Jungle Cruise is just another testament to that, in my personal opinion. But Haunted Mansion is one of those rides that, what what I love about it is first of all, it's just it's it's only a Disney Parks thing. Like it's not based on a movie or anything. It's just something that they came up with and it's like an original idea. And they have all these really cool 
Disney Imagineering tricks that helped like make the ghost appear as holograms. They've got the great grim grinning ghost song. They've mm-hmm. got the floating heads. I mean, the Disney magic, you know, 50 years later or whatever, since that ride came out, I don't know if it w- when exactly it came out, but I know the park turns 50 on October 1st or something like that. But that ride, the Disney magic is still very much intact there. And, and the song is great. And it's just, it's magical. And, and whenever I like am having a bad week at work or, or I'm like picturing myself on vacation at Disney or something like that, that's the ride I always picture myself on because it's just synonymous with, uh, with Disney for me. So that's, that's my first pick, the Haunted Mansion. Beautiful choice. My pick goes to Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. Wow. It does. This, this ride is something of, uh, I always think it's a hidden treasure because no one talks about it enough. But let me tell you, this ride, if you've never been on it, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you like roller coasters, go get on it because it is insane. Uh, the, it kicks you out at like 80 miles per hour. You go straight into darkness and then there's flashes of neon lights. Uh, and before that, you get this long drawn out uh, experience with Aerosmith in his recording studio, which definitely needs a facelift, but I don't care because it's part of it's part of its history. I love this. I love this ride. I love this ride. Now the question is, should it be adapted into oh, Lord. a movie? A Steven Tyler movie or like just a total Aerosmith movie? Oh, man. I would say, you know, we biopics are the way of the future and we do not That's have true. a Steven Tyler film yet. I think there's a lot of story there. And uh, I think Disney should really capitalize in this market and in this time before it gets away from them. Uh, I would say yes, absolutely yes to a movie adaptation of Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. <laughs> that would be something else. They're for sure sunsetting that ride like that. <laughs> it has not made sense for a little while now. And I, I just have to imagine it is a great coaster. To your point, it's a great coaster. I love to ride it. Um the line for it sucks. Like it just doesn't yes. move very fast. So the line is always long. And so that's what always like takes me out of it. I like, there are times where I'm like, I'm not riding that 70 minutes, not happening, but um, it is such a fun coaster and, and one of the only true coasters at Disney world. So it's a, uh, it's a good one. I think that's a great pick. All right. My Thank pick you. number two, I'm going with space mountain. Space Mountain at Disney World. They also have Space Mountain at Disneyland. It's a little bit different. Uh, but Space Mountain at Disney World is awesome. I love it. Um, again, another original ride. The iconic building, the super dark ride on the small track with the fast turns. Like, very fun. Doesn't cease to be fun, even if you've ridden things that are more thrilling technically. There's something about that ride that just continues to be ultra fun, no matter what what else you've ridden. It's a it's a one of a kind experience, and I don't know what that movie would look like, but the title sure would be cool because Space mm-hmm. Mountain is an awesome title, and if they could come up with a good plot line that's not like the Jungle Cruise, um, I'm there for it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what that looks like, but I mean, it's kind directed of by Ridley an- Scott. <laughs> Ooh, yes. it's rated R. <laughs> Space Mountain. <laughs> no one can hear no you. No one can hear you. Space Mountain, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, my next pick, I'm going to go with uh, one of the newer rides, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Darn you, Kirk. Darn you. 
this ride, this ride. I should have allowed you to do it because you're the only reason that we had tickets to see it. So, um, I mean, credit to my dad who used his, uh, who used his charm to make that happen. But yeah. Yes. Yes. To the, to the two of you who just spearheaded making sure that we got to ride this, uh, mere, mere weeks after it had opened. I think that this ride has, this ride has everything. It is an entertainment, uh, dominator. It is a, a thrill ride. It, it has a surprise at every single turn. I love it. I love it. And, uh, they've already made a movie into it. So there's that. That's true. I mean, this ride, objectively i feel like or no this is my opinion so i'll just say subjectively it's the best ride pure like purely ride factor it is the best ride that they have Mm -hmm. it is so cool um the line is cool like it is just awesome it is sick i think they even have like you know different i kind of think of it like (laughs) like mario kart where you have like speed um yeah uh what they have all the they have all the different elements to it right so you really have entertainment factor you have speed factor you have unpredictability you it's got it checks every box because it's not just sit in and go it's a full experience that you are immersed you feel like you are literally in the star wars world yeah uh, you feel like a goober wearing regular clothes in there you're like, oh, man, I feel like I should be like in my Jedi robe or something right now or in my Stormtrooper get up. When we go back, I think we should 100% just spend the money yeah. on whatever day we do Star Wars and just do full on big in mode. Yeah, <laughs> we just are go just for like it. ready and we're like in character with the other actors, the cast members. That'd be pretty, pretty great. That would be cool. Uh, it is such a sick ride. I think it's a great choice. Um my third pick, I'm going with lots of classics. I'm going with the Hollywood Tower of Terror. The, you know, Excellent. The, it's it's an OG. Of course, there's already been a movie. There's supposed to be another movie, though Scarlett Johansson was behind that project, so God knows what's going to happen there. Um, well, <laughs> fingers crossed, I guess, though I'm <laughs> sure the movie will be awful. Um, yeah, the Tower of Terror, and, and, and most specifically, they had a Tower of Terror at Disneyland. It was not the same. It was not as good. They changed it to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which is incredible. Um, but the Tower of Terror in Orlando, so cool. I love it so mm-hmm. much. Um, the whole thing, the, the, the pre-ride show with the TV, uh, playing the Twilight Zone stuff, the whole, like, going through the ride and then you, you go into that room. It's like, mm-hmm. and you slide in there. I, I love it. I wrote it one time uh, when I was like nine years old during a lightning storm in, in Orlando. And it was the ambiance was safe. It was so beautiful. And uh, I loved it. It was so great. Uh, it's such a ma- masterful ride. It's so fun. The first time you ride that, because you can see everyone rising and falling from the outside. So the first time you ride it, you're thinking, okay, we're going to go through the line. We're going to get the experience at the bottom. We're going to go up and then we're just going to drop. When Mm -hmm. that light goes, you're like, I'm just going to drop. No, that is the scariest moment. The the door gets drawn and you start moving forward. It is the most disorienting feeling in the world. And then you sit there for a while. Yes. In your dark room. (laughs) And then you kind of like shake as the as you're getting geared up to the front and then the door slowly open and it sounds like the worst warehouse door opening (laughs) yep it's it's brilliant it's brilliant and um my old my old fart self can't handle the rising and falling anymore so maybe i'll get on it again maybe it's the best it's so 
anxiety inducing, uh, but it's wonderful. It's brilliant. It is. It's brilliant. Truly. My next pick. Pick number three. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. I'm going to pick Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland. Oh, great pick under the radar mm. pick. I, I love it. Yeah. It's got a, It's got a little bit of, um, yeah, speaking of Brendan Fraser at the top of this, uh, episode it's got a little bit of the mummy in it because it has fire like real fire in the ride itself but that ride is massive it's absolutely massive it doesn't um the fact that they invested that much money into that ride is pretty impressive when you get into the like the depths of the of the temple and you see that how there's like four other carts going around that are like 400 feet away from you on a different track that you're going to be on in a couple of minutes. It's long. It checks all the boxes, just like rise of the resistance. It's very entertaining. It's a, it's a good duration and it just keeps surprising you throughout. So it has to be that. I don't even remember what it's called, but it's Indiana Jones in Disneyland. Is it just called the Indiana Jones? It's something very basic, like the Indiana Jones adventure or the Indiana Jones. I think the Indiana Jones experience is the show at Disney World. I think the ride is just called Indiana Jones Adventure or something like that. But yeah, it's it's one of those rides that like if you've only been to Disney World and then you go to Disneyland, which is pretty common for people in our neck of the woods because Florida is more accessible than LA. But yeah. um, you go there and, and you go into Disneyland Park and you're like, okay, so this is basically just the Magic Kingdom, right? And then you turn left and head to, um, I don't know, like the, not Fantasyland. You, you turn and go towards like, Frontierland-ish, Adventureland is what it's called. And yep, you see yep. the Indiana Jones ride and you're like, hold up, what's going on here? And then you ride it and you're like, wow, that was sick. Yes. Um, and, and the line's usually not very long. That's a great pick, Kirk. That's that's and a better pick. fast past that bad boy. And, that's right. Man, it's great. It's a good time. Okay, my fourth pick, I am going also to LA to California Adventure Park for um, Radiator Springs Racers. This is the Cars yes. ride. Um this is one of the, you know, whenever the Radiator Springs thing came out or Cars Land at Disneyland, this was when the, when Disney really upped their game and took things to the next level in terms of immersion because that place looks exactly like Radiator Springs and that ride is just like stepping into the movie once you get on it. Uh, the line experience is less than, less than magical, but the ride itself is insane insanely fun really cool and and just like the cars movie and, and in fact it actually like it makes those movies better <laughs> that whole world mm-hmm. like existing makes those movies better so um it's a lot of fun i love that and i am just i cannot wait to take my oldest on that the next time we go to disneyland because he's gonna he's gonna freak out like totally yes. freak out it's gonna be great <laughs> is this my fourth or my fifth fourth okay because that was so just many. my fourth Okay, beautiful. I'm going to have to go with Peter Pan. Ah, good one. Peter Pan's flight. Love it. Peter Pan. It's, um, I know I wrote it as a kid. I've been to Disneyland, Disney World, thankfully, um, uh, maybe about five times at this point in my life. But I went as like a four-year-old, five-year-old kid, didn't really remember it. And then uh, when I went back, I was like, whoa, this is really special. This is really special, specifically when you're flying over London and you're you're just you're just over the diorama below you and it's just so great it, there's no there's no giant spectacle the spectacle is so simplistic um and they hit on everything in that in that style of ride i would be 
so excited if they built a few more of those going forward, those style of rides. I know that the public may not be, you know, banging down the doors for it, but that might be also the, uh, the charm. If we got a few more new rides like that, like if we had a Moana ride that was like that, where you're going on the adventure, uh, how perfect would that be? Uh, oh man, I think, I think they're, they're really missing something with those, those little vignettes of how those rides were built about, there's about five or six of them that are like that. I think we need more. Yep. That's a good pick. I like it. I like it a lot. My final pick. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. And listen, the, the caveat here is the carousel of progress is, I believe is technically a show and yes. not a ride. So I, that would have been way up there for me because I'm an, I'm an old, old schooler like that. Um, <clears throat> but my final pick is going to be the Winnie the Pooh ride. Yes. Because I remember when that thing came out and it was so cool when you do the bounce with Tigger and then whenever they do the rain, rain, rain and your car's like kind of swimming in the water, it was a very yeah. different experience and it holds up so well. And both of my kids have gone through one of my kids is, you know, one year old. And so he's very, very into Winnie the Pooh, but Marshall also went into a pretty hardcore Winnie the Pooh phase. And it is just, you know, we've been lucky enough to take Marshall on it and we're, we're getting ready to go to Disney world again and we'll get to take Elliot on it. But that experience for them is, it makes it all the better. And that ride is still so fun. Even as an adult, it's just such a, such a magical, nice little peaceful little ride. So I had Mm -hmm. to pick, had to pick Winnie the Pooh. I'm also going to end uh, on a, on a magical peaceful choice. Uh, I'm going to go with frozen ever after over in, is it in Epcot? Epcot, yep, Epcot. Yeah. Um, I didn't have uh, Frozen's fantastic. The, the dynasty of, of Frozen, I think, will continue to flourish because it's got an excellent story and excellent characters. I, I was worried about the ride, but they made it just just what it needed to be. Magic, a little cold, a little a little bit of water and mostly magic and it feels magical and there's a little there's a couple of like jump drops that you're like oh my goodness and you get a little wet during it too and it's it's exciting so uh that frozen ever after ride that has a special place in my heart uh probably because my my tiny girl i got to go with her she got to meet elsa right before and it's just great it's wonderful great choices great choices all around there there are plenty of honorable mentions i think for sure i mean there's there's tons of great rides that we didn't mention i think the new millennium falcon ride is awesome Mm -hmm. i think uh the snow white seven dwarves mine train is really cool the original snow white ride is really cool um there's tons of them there's a great monsters inc ride at at disneyland that i really like but kirk any other honorable mentions you want to go with or are you cool with your list yeah, I mean, uh, Slinky Dog Dash. Oh yeah, um, Toy Story great, Mania. Great Toy Story one. Mania, great movie ride. Rest in peace. Um, R.I.P. Uh, and and the uh, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Uh, yep. What an experience! That ride is a blast. It is so much fun. Yes, so many great picks. Um, so hopefully, all you Diz nerds out there, I think is the is the term that the kids are using. I don't think the kids are using it. I think just Buzzfeed is using it. But it's just you, the millennials are using it. <laughs> all you Diz nerds out there, hopefully you enjoyed that. Let us know what your picks are if you have been to the parks, and let us know. Uh, we didn't really talk about if any of those rides should be made into a movie. There at the end, we kind of let that fall off, but. My, my stance is no more movies for rides in general. I'm just like, until you can prove to me that you can make a good one, I'm out. Um, what about the, the great movie ride as a movie? The great movie ride movie ride. <laughs> no, the great movie ride ride movie is what they should call yes. it. Yes, yes. That would be fun. 
it should be a VR experience or something yes. like that. Bandersnatch. Yes. They add Bandersnatch oh. on the end of that, <laughs> and it becomes yes. a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, Kirk. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. Just um, a just an idea machine. We are over here at Popcorn <laughs> for Breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's all we've got for you this week. Uh, like we said, The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's film, is our next review. Kirk and I are going in the wee hours of the night on Thursday to go check that one out. So be looking out for that next week. Um, as I've been plugging recently, Letterboxd. We are both on Letterboxd. That is an application on your phone that you can download. Here it is right here. L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D. And if you follow us on Letterboxd, you get more information about the movies that we're watching. And you get to see, at least if you're following me, you get to see reviews and, and pics of movies that we're, we'll never talk about on this podcast really like you would know if you followed me on Letterboxd you would know that the last four films I watched were Jungle Cruise The Green Knight Freaky and Amanda Knox see The Green yes. Knight Freaky and the Amanda Knox documentary we'll never talk about it but if you want to hear my opinions on it you can get them on Letterboxd so follow me on there build your profile it's super fun we you know I'm not being paid for this I just genuinely really like the app so mm-hmm. go check it out it'll be it's it's a good time and you can follow us my username is Cam Wiggs Kirk's username is Curlington we got yes. it going on there and since I'm slightly older than Cam, I am. Uh, my profile is not built out yet, and I have a couple of favorites. But I am looking at his profile, trying to figure out what to do with my profile. Uh, there's that. Yeah, buddy. But follow us on Letterbox. We'll we'll be uh, be doing our thing on there, and you can see my my favorite movies on there too. So it's exciting stuff. Uh, also, Discord. Chat with us on Discord. We were having some conversation on Discord today about uh, Schmigadoon, the Apple TV Plus series and talking a little bit about that with some people in there so that's a good time you can join our discord server by clicking the link in the description for discord Um, that is also an app super easy download and it just is basically a instant messaging app with us to talk about movies and memes whatever else is going on it's a good time i think that's all i got i think that's all i got what uh spilled popcorn will officially back will officially be back with uh what if when, when what if starts which that comes out on August 11th, so you're looking at first episode the week after that of Spilled yes. Popcorn to talk about what if, but we will be back for that. So in the meantime, just hang tight. We've got some other stuff cooking. We appreciate you guys listening. As always, we're going to give our special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. Happy birthday, Ryan, coming up Happy here birthday. shortly. And his band, Rhetoric, which created our original music, which you are about to hear right now. We will talk to you guys next week. Talk to you then.